Welcome, everybody, to Season Ticket Showcase, Episode 3 of Season 0. That's right. It's our preseason. We at the Filibuster Freestyle are starting a brand new podcast concept and feed. This is it, Season Ticket Showcase. You can check out our first episode about the Philadelphia Eagles and our second episode about the Boston Red Sox. This is Episode 3. D.C. United of Major League Soccer, one of the founding members, I believe, of Major League Soccer. D.C. United will be represented by former season ticket holder, because he no longer lives in Washington, D.C., John Timbone. John Timbone makes his debut in our podcast family with his appearance that you're about to hear. However, we've known John Timbone for a while. So as we do episode three... We hope you uh, enjoy it as much as we do. This is, of the three we've done so far, the team we know by far the least about. Here comes the theme song, John Timbone on the other Highs side of it. lows, wins and losses, it's been unbelievable. Bringing me joy and bringing me pain. They've taken years off my life. That's the deal we made. You're bringing me joy, you're bringing me pain, yeah, yeah. But every time I give up on them, they pull me back in. All right, so as promised, first time, long time, but our friend John Timbone joins us. John, how are you doing, first of all? Oh, I'm doing wonderful, and how are you, Gavin? I'm, you know what? I can't complain. There was a helicopter over the house earlier. So anyway, I'm doing better now that I got to the bottom of the fact that the helicopter wasn't trying to land on our roof, so we're good. Um, well, that's positive. Yeah, so right there, you know, you got to call that a win. So we're here to talk DC United. This is the first uh, MLS team that we'll cover on Season Ticket Showcase. You no longer live in D.C. You were not originally from D.C., yet you became a season ticket holder of D.C. United. So let's just start with how did you become a season ticket holder for D.C. United, being that you're not from Washington, D.C. Metro originally? Um, yeah, so I moved down to D.C. in uh, probably about 2013-ish, um, and coming from Boston, had some pretty strong ties to the four major sports. I was always kind of Revs curious, but I kind of I paid more attention to the Premier League, specifically Liverpool and just the UN, U.S. men's national team. Yep. So I didn't. Re- it was kind of a good situation for me to be moving down to D.C. and not have strong and be able to have a team there mm-hmm. that I could kind of you know, pick as my number one. I think this was the 2010 World Cup when they were playing a friendly with Everton. It was probably one of the hottest days of my life, but all the hottest days of my life except one were in D.C. So Yeah, D.C. Uh, in July is not a cool place, so there you go. Yeah, exactly. And um, so that was my first experience going to RFK, and we didn't see a D.C. United game. It was a good time. Um, and then in 2014, I've only gone to one or two games that year, but after the World Cup, D.C. United being in RFK at the time had a lot of room. And it became a lot of fun. Um, I enjoyed going. Uh, I was also living on Capitol Hill, so it was a 15 to 20 minute walk. Oh, beautiful. Uh, d- depending upon the season, you know. And so it was very easy. Um, a friend of my wife's, he actually had become one just before I was planning on doing it. He told me all the details because what we did, what he did was only get a single seat. Uh, basically, you get one seat. 
and since there are there is so much open room at RFK, you can just kind of pick, you can kind of switch your seats with other seats for other games. So if you don't want to go to see the Rapids, but you want to have two tickets to the Galaxy, as long as there's a seat in your price box, you can switch that. Oh wow, so, that's really really convenient. Yeah, so you know, I have one seat to all to all the home games plus the U.S. Cup games. Got so yeah, it. I did that from 2015 to 2017. And yeah, that was kind of how I became a season holder of the DC United. Cool. And so you referenced RFK being where you saw them. So was your entire time going, at least as a resident of DC, in, in RFK Stadium, the old football? Yes. Okay. I actually believe that was the last season of our, it was the last season of RFK because I got, in the last year, we got so much merch with just like RFK signage on it, emblems, everything. They act, they gave us a quality actual book of tickets for the last season. Oh, cool. So, um, and we went to the last game at RFK, which was kind of, it, which was a good time. Yeah, I bet. Well, how was the crowd for that? Was there... Um, it was good, you know, so I've, I've actually, so I've been, one game I went there to RFK for that was not DC United was the U.S. Uh, versus Germany in like a friendly, and that was about 95% sold out for RFK. It was, you know, so that mean I was sitting in the upper box, in the upper stands, which was pretty high up for RFK, and I was kind of sitting up there too for that. It wasn't, you know, up there was maybe half full to even, maybe even less, but it was a pretty good crowd for my entire time there at RFK. So. Nice. Yeah, and they they obviously were one of the original inaugural clubs of MLS, and I believe they won the first, what, at least two MLS uh, Cups? Four out, of, four out of the first three. I mean, I'm sorry, three out of the four. I was going to say, four out of three is amazing. Yeah, but, th- but three yeah, out of four is also amazing. So, so I would imagine being, you know, being that they started in the mid '90s and being that they had success out of the gate, and I think they had some success later on. Probably a pretty good kind of nucleus of fans. Is that fair? Yeah, definitely. So I would definitely say they had a group of very loyal, small groups of loyal. They had a couple different um, fan clubs. Two that I remember the name of. There was La Brava Brava. And there was the Screaming Eagles. My season ticket was near the Screaming Eagles section, so I kind of noticed them more. Yes, so there were a lot of very loyal people who were very into it, but I think also, like, the image of the city as being such a transplant city and people coming and going hurts that ability. I think that, you know, I've seen people getting proposed there who are in these groups and stuff, but it's, it's just not as big as I have from my experience. I went to one game in Seattle with a season ticket holder and that was just a completely different experience. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I mean, they they like lead the league. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's just, you know, seeing that many people into it and organized was just a lot different than I'd ever seen DC United. Which, yeah. no fault of their own, I think it's a product of the city, you know. Yeah, exactly. It's pretty singular. I mean, I know some of the newer clubs have been able to replicate it a bit, but it's pretty singular up in Seattle. Um, let me ask you this. So, you, you know, you mentioned the transplant nature of the city. The other thing that I think is interesting in the pods that, that I've already recorded, you know, asking those fans if there's a team in their city that the fans of their club maybe don't like. And obviously in a city like New York or L.A. where there are multiple baseball teams, multiple hockey teams, it's going to be an easy answer. But obviously in these towns where there's one of each kind of five or six or whatever pro sports teams, 
it's a little bit harder to have animosity. But is there any animosity? I think soccer is such an interesting sport because it, it can be a bit of an outlier. Uh, it is newer in America than, say, the Washington football team or whatever they're called now, the Commanders, et cetera. Is there a team in the Washington area that, that D.C. United fans don't care for that's of the Washington area or no? So I wouldn't really say they don't care for, but like you definitely see a crossover when you're at the of other sports gear at at this park at the field during the matches. The one thing I noticed is that there is never any Wizards merchandise anywhere. No, Wizards. I don't think there's animosity there. I just, in my experience, I just don't think many people cared about the Wizards. I had gone to a lot of Wizards, not a lot of Wizards game over my time, but like anytime the Celtics were in town, I would go, and I had gone to a few other games and. Even going on a Friday night, I just kind of felt like sometimes the Wizards games are very poorly attended, especially in comparison to a Capitals game, which a Capitals ticket is really hard to get. So I don't really think it's animosity. I just don't think the crowds mix uh, or there really is much crossover. You know, you didn't see people with nat- Nationals hats. I've, heard, I've talked to season ticket holders who were also season ticket holders of Capitals. I think just about everybody in that city is a Washington, either a Dallas Cowboy, which is a strange thing I can't comment on, or Washington football team fan. The loyalty to to that team is just out of control in that city, and... But there is a very large contingent of Dallas Cowboys fans, too, which makes no sense. But, hey, here we are. <laughs> here we are, indeed. So, uh, you what? know, I guess, you know, after TV has tried to bill you as America's team for so long, it worked on It starts probably. to work, absolutely. Yeah. So what about rivalries within MLS uh, of D.C. United? Are there teams with any particular either bad blood through history or proximity or geography uh, or anything like that? Yeah, um, I can. I mean, I can't speak to when the New York, New Jersey Metro Stars were going on, but the New York Red Bulls is definitely the longest running one. You know, coming from Boston, there's a lot of T-shirts that speak ill of other teams, and I don't really find that common in most cities. But the only ones at DC United games would be things would be shirts making fun of the New York Red Bulls. Got it. You know, and I think. You know, I think throughout the world football, all the Red Bulls teams get that kind of crap because everything seems to be so manufactured. But, you know, they were also, prior to the Philadelphia Union, they were the closest team. Um, And so historically, other than maybe a few other games I can think of, the New York Red Bulls would have the most fans there till the Philadelphia Union fans came in, and I feel like they also had a good amount of fans that would come down. So that would definitely be it. Got it. Um, By the way, let's pour some out for the New York, New Jersey Metro Stars, one of the most noncommittal names in the history of names. Of all the Red Bull acquisitions, I actually feel the best about that one for all the people who had to kind of figure out what's the name of my team. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But I but I am with you in that Red Bull Salzburg in Austria or you know Red Bull that that was a, that was a Division 7 team in Germany and you know is now Leipzig or Leipzig. Yeah, I mean Red Bull is yeah. certainly um doing their part to have the energy drink sector rival the oil money and the you know the you know the, the oligarch money that has typically been in global yeah, soccer. Is, is energy drinks really that that bad of a thing in comparison to what's going on these days? Correct. Yeah. I mean, 
The one thing I gotta say is though they always make the Red Bull logo seem flawlessly into the shirt, like it's already there. Correct. You know, unlike it's, some sponsor logos that just seems so strange. You know, very true. At least the aesthetics yeah. are there, and I, I do appreciate the aesthetics. Um, but is there a game that got away that either you, you've heard other supporters talk about, or for you, even as a DC United fan, is there a game that got away that you would have loved to have seen go the, the United's way? It'd probably be, so they were in, I mentioned earlier, they were in three out of, they were won three out of the first four finals. They were in the, nine, they won 96, 97, and they were in the 98 final, and it was against the Chicago Fire, and I mm. believe that was their first year. Bob, I want to say Bob Bradley was their coach. Um, so if I had to guess, for anyone who was a lifelong fan, yeah. It would probably be that one, just because it would have been four in a row, three well, three in a row, then four in a row, plus the first four championships of all time uh, of the league. It's good. That, that, that's probably anyone who's probably been there since day one is probably something they think about. You know. Got it. And then the the flip side of that is, for a non championship game, can you recall one that was especially sweet to get that wasn't wasn't a title clincher, but maybe was a step along the way or a big cup win or anything like that? Um, yeah, I remember there was, I mean, I just remember there was one match I was there and it was against, I want to say it was either the Union or I think it was the Union and it was just, it was one of those matches you watch and, you know, the defense is there but the defense isn't really there and it's, you know, it's getting like going back and forth, fives, you know, three to four, four to four, uh, you know, getting up there, and it was it was one of the more exciting games. You know, I think it's kind of what people say is good and bad about the MLS is that sometimes you know it can get that way where matches are high scoring and defense isn't there. At least I feel like maybe this is the old, but it went down literally went down to a penalty kick in the ninety third minute, and I just never had seen the place explode that much there. This, I mean, this is probably a lot of places, but they just have a habit of uh, the sports groups of throwing no matter how empty or how full of a beer in the air once they score. And uh, there was just a rain of Tecate coming down on that day. And it, was, <laughs> it was just a moment, you know? Shout out to Tecate, right? Oh, yeah. Is that the official beer of the, uh, the, the, the club or one of the supporters groups or just happens to be what a lot of folks like to drink? So, Yes, and I'd say unofficial. Um, I mean, so there's a local brewery called DC Brow that had a contest mm. to name a DC themed beer. Um, it ended up being called the Tradition. Uh, my wife got an honorable mention nice. in this. Uh, she wanted to call it United We Can, and they said, "You know that." So she, 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 she's a very punny woman. She so is. She came up with that and just got an honorable mention. So that was going kicking around for a while. Um, I looked it up the other day out of curiosity, and I don't think they're serving it anymore. It was not right there. It, it was an IPA, so it's not exactly for well, especially in the summertime in DC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'll but, uh, take a while. You out know, of as far as the wonderful options that they actually had at RFK, Tecante was, you know, what most people got. Uh, there was one of this. Tell a quick story. There was this one guy who. We have. We were lucky enough to have beer men, uh, beer humans, in the selling beer. And this one guy had this like motorized contraption around his arm that like opened the top of the beer for him and allowed a quick pour. Ooh. Uh, 
respect. I was very impressed, you know, but, but at the same time, like, why this guy who works at, at RFK, you know, for 18 times a year, or however many events may be there, why has he got, how's he got this and why, you know, so. Got it. Very interesting. But yeah, it was it. it's, uh, yeah, I'd say my answer would be Ticante. Beautiful. Does the fan yeah. base have a, a, a club that they have particular respect for? Uh, I would definitely, in my experience, uh, Seattle, like, you know, we were there for a midweek game once, and they had a very large turnout for a midweek game for fans from half across the country. Uh, and I think also, like, Seattle, they've gone through their stars of trying to get it, but they're usually kind of more of a homegrown or, like, you know, a built team around who they are as sure. far as the MLS goes. Sure. Yeah. Got it. Oh, that's a good answer. Absolutely. All right, let's talk about this. Um, D.C. is a very transplant city. Soccer is a global sport, so the answer may be impossible. But is there a typical vibe to a D.C. United fan and or are there some, like, uh, well-established subgenres of their vibes or no? Uh, so, no. I mean, I feel like... Definitely, when you know, I feel like watching soccer in America anywhere. You mm-hmm. know, whether you go to a bar, or everything, it's always usually a mix. It is a hot spot. A, a mix yes. mash of people. You've got your, you know, your people who played soccer all their life who continue to love it. You've got your people who look like indoor kids and they, just, <laughs> and they found a group of people they wanted to be with. You've got, you know, people, a lot of people that look like me that are tattooed up and, you know, just maybe this is like the only sport they like, but it's, um, and I'd say that's so much more even for the DC crowd, um, you know, even between from what I remember of the two supporters groups, they seemed very different. I would say the Screaming Eagles group seemed extremely diverse you know, uh, from definitely age and gender, mm-hmm. um, uh, people who have probably been going since day one and people who were new. And the love Brava Brava guys, I say guys, meaning because it seemed like much more of a, like, bro kind of centric looking group, you know, but very diverse amongst bros, you know. It's, right. But that's DC. The diversity is everywhere in a good way, you know, so... That part's good. Oh, that's good to hear. But yeah, but yeah, that's that's probably the closest I can come up to for an answer for that. No, yeah, that's good. That's actually really good. So soccer is known for you know chants, cheers, anthems, you know things of that nature from the supporters groups and or walkout songs. What do we got for DC United? Anything on that vintage or that vintage? <laughs> well, so I, I've only been to one match at the new stadium yes. so far, and. I think I got in a minute late to see any intros, but RFK did not exactly lend to having like good quality audio on anything. Fair. <laughs> um, so uh, there was definitely something they came out to, but you know, it wasn't. It was never really playing super loud and wasn't very clear, and you know, it wasn't like you know something of notes like Mambo Number no. Five or something that, or you know. I mean, as far as, like, chants or something, you know, everybody in the stadium would do the Vamos United chants. Um, Got it. Vamos United. Okay. Yeah, that would be – that was the big one. Um, I definitely got to give them a lot of the groups a lot of credit, though. They always had some sick drums, people that just go the entire time and get, like, dance circles going. It was uh, pretty impressive. 
Wowzers. That's uh, you got. Yeah, I love the energy. You know, I think it's one of the best things mm-hmm. about the sport is because there's so little scoring, but there's also so little stoppage. You got to find something to kind of pass the time, and, and percussion yeah. percussion's a great way to do it. Oh, definitely, it's a great way to do it. Is there a championship of the club? And again, I know that is either means the most to you yourself, or that you think fans of the club generally acknowledge as kind of the, the best championship or the somehow so the, the ultimate s- championship. Yeah, like the second one was the only one they got to play at home. Mm, there you go. So that might be a big thing for people who were around in '97, or uh, no, wait, it was I think it was '04, and I believe it was the. Kansas City Wizards prior to becoming Sporting KC. So, weren't they initially uh, called the Wiz back in '95? And they were probably. I mean, at least I at least I remember. I think they're like one of the, when those, they had like some of the most ridiculous kits. And yes, I think they probably said the Wiz on them at some point. Yes, so. they at least said the Wiz, and they were ridiculous yeah. kits. Let me ask you this: Speaking of kits, I mean, DC United definitely probably won the. 1995 uniform was the least offensive when looking back at it relative to the style yeah. at that time. But over the course of the, the time, they were they were very smart to pick a classic uni to go, a classic kit to start their, their franchise with. But is there a particular kit that stands out to you or other fans that was is kind of like the money kit? So definitely they, you know, for the first 10 or so years, they looked pretty similar. The You know, and the only thing really different between the, those and the ones from today is that they had, like, the horizontal stripes of the Adidas, like, on, kind of on the stomach. And that was good for them at the time because they didn't get a sponsor till. I feel like the early aughts when Volkswagen came in. So it was, like, a good way to use up the shirt. Smart. I think 2014 has kind of like a place in my heart because that was a good one, but it was also the sharp black one. But also 2007 was like the last of the, the horizontal line for the home kit. I think those are really sharp. Um, but the the away kits on the other on the other hand, they've made a few sharp ones, but a lot of them are kind of ugly. They got they one that they ended up putting like a. DC license plate on it, and it just looks stupid. Um, oh, I love the concept, but I, yeah, I could see that would be tough on a shirt. Yeah, I feel. Well, I always feel like, and maybe this is just a brief period of the MLS, but the second or third kit, they always tried to make it more like something like very specific to the area. I definitely got to give them credit; they did a good job of just being kind of, you know, like. Kind of like the the Liverpools or the Man U's. It's kind of the same shirt every year. With a, you know, sometimes there's a collar, sometimes there's a different little neck or something. But you're basically buying a black shirt, a red shirt each year if you're the type of person to buy a new one each year. You know, fair, and that's very much a yeah again a global soccer football phenomenon. Uh, you know, yeah. kind of a different, a slight variations on the same home kit, and then taking liberties all the time with a third kit or maybe even an away kit each year. Are there celebrity fans of DC United that you're aware of? Not that I know of, to be honest. Like, I've, no. I think they are, the, the local celebrities of DC are politicians. Right. You know, and politicians all, there's no, it's not too many DC politicians that are like, Celebrity like that are represent DC that are uh, you know have that True. from that level to them. So 
I mean, there's probably some people that claim they may be, whether they're local sports stars or something, but I've never seen them at games. Um, Yeah, and it's, you know, they're also just such a small team in comparison to the rest of the city. Correct. So That's fair. And that's kind of the beauty of talking about different types of teams, and and obviously I I wasn't sure if there would be any or not, but there you go. And, you know, that kind of answers the question, which is are there any that are – especially embarrassed by it. If any politicians are, there's a pretty good chance people might be because a lot yeah. of people are embarrassed by politicians right now. Uh, and, <laughs> exactly. And but probably not a bad stance to have. Um, but let's, let's ask this instead. Is there a former player or coach to, that is despised by the supporters of D.C. United? So... Or just generally disliked? I mean, I, 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 I can't say for sure, but... I'd be curious how people feel about Wayne Rooney now. I think Wayne Rooney gave them a lot of performances that were very good. Yeah. And he probably sold a lot of shirts, but he was at, you know, he was at that age where you weren't expecting him long, but he also just bailed mid season when he got like a player coach gig. And I don't know. He also complained a lot about the MLS while he was here about non-chartered flights and stuff. So I don't know if, you know, people felt that he was too, acting like he was too good for the team. I was gone by this point, but Got it. it definitely would be interesting to talk to, to talk to somebody recent, more recent who and how they feel about Wayne Rooney at this point. Yeah. Cause I definitely, he brought in electricity clearly, but he also, like you said, he fell off quickly and then got out of the league quickly. And then I mean, I've never seen somebody go from, factor globally to factor in the MLS to barely a factor in the second tier to, you know, doesn't even resemble, like, I think he's the same age as Cristiano Ronaldo. And if you go back to four years ago, you know, they both look like football players. And now one guy looks like he's, you know, 47 and one guy looks like he's 27 and, you know, whatever. Yeah. It's because Wayne Rooney, like, tries to live the life of a football player and like the life of like a bricklayer you know he, yeah he that's a tough doesn't... combo as you get into your 30s and, and to your closer to 40 yeah. for sure yeah uh are there any players that any role players are kind of like just great heart and soul of the team type players that fans are especially fond of i mean definitely ben olsen he was a player forever and then he was a coach forever so nice. i think ben olsen will definitely be a household name for a lot of people People, Charlie Davies had a very short-lived um, DC United career, but he also was like coming in after his car accident. Yeah, and I think the city really embraced him because he I forget where he was playing prior to that. But yeah, you still I when I was going and he hadn't been on the team in years. You were, you know, people were still wearing his shirt, even though he was playing for the Revolution at the time. Uh, Jamie Moreno, who was who was part of all those championships, and he's got the all-time scoring record and appearances for the team. So I'm sure there's always a lot of jerseys for him. And my one thing, my one player I'd throw in there is probably Chris Pontius. He was kind of yeah, I know Chris Pontius. Yeah, yeah, he was uh, on the team for a long time. I don't remember his the exact situation as to what, how how he ended up in L.A., whether it was after free agency started or if they just 
moved him over there or if he asked to be moved over there, I would totally understand that. I mean, it's probably, you know, kind of like a Ray Borg situation where you're on this one team forever and they don't go anywhere. So you say, hey, can I go somewhere else? Yeah. Try to win a team, try to win the cup. And they're like, you, you deserve it, go, you know? Yeah, for sure. That's good. It's always, those are some good role player ones. Is there a, a Mount Rushmore that you, that you you think there is for the, for the, for the uh, club? So I would say, I mean, Bill Hamid is – the gold, one of the longest running goaltenders there. He's probably also one of the most beloved people. Yeah. He he left for like only two years to try to play in Europe. I, you know, if I, I kind of divide, thought about this and divide it up between what I think the average person would do and what I have for myself. And like the average person, I think would be like Ben Olsen, Bill Hamid, Dwayne DeRossio, and uh, Jamie Moreno, as just because as far as quality yep. um, and length of the team. Personally, I would say Ben Olsen, Bill Hamid, Chris Pontius, just because that was always big Pontius. And then there was Nick DeLeon, who was on the team. It was like one of those guys who just played every game. He kept switching positions as new people came in. You know, he'd play defense, he would score. And he was just always there during my time as a season ticket holder, so I was a big fan of him. I think he ended up on Toronto at some point um, years down the road, but he was a big fan for me. Nice. Um, so I think I got one one more to get to get you out here on, but um, out of here on, I should say. So with the stadium changing to what is it, Audi Park? Is that correct? I believe so. So that and that was built, you know, soccer specific, right? So a much smaller mm-hmm. stadium, but probably a right sized. Stadium for the atmosphere. The PA probably works there for playing songs, all that. Number one, have you been? Have you been back for some games there? I went to one, um, and I went to a UN, uh, U.S. Men's National Team game there too. It's a nice field. Um, I haven't really gotten the chance to like walk around it. You know, it seems small in some ways, and then, but it also seems perfect for the crowd. You know, it's down to the Nationals Stadium now. Um, which is a good developing area opposed to like where RFK is, you know, RFK, the original, uh, Washington football team spot. So it's just, and it's currently absolutely nothing because the city will forever probably have the dream of bringing the commanders or whatever they're called now back back to the city. But, you know, you're also dealing with Dan Schneider, so he'll probably sell it to Mars if he could. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> I remember when they were building it, some of the fan groups had issues as to where they were being placed. And they kind of started, and they did a lot of luxury stuff down below, which looks really cool. So I think a lot of the fan groups have put up a little higher than they're used to being. So, but I'm sure everybody's used to it. I'm sure there's a much better atmosphere there. In most, in most of my MLS experience between various parks, it's, it's a family-friendly atmosphere as well. You know, it's got a, like a little minor league baseball to it at times. Got but, it. You know, it still definitely has its little supporters. Yeah, for sure. Do you still like – is this still, still your team here in the MLS? That um, I would say overall, yes. I watch the Reds games just because they're easier to watch. I the I don't know, the only Reds game I've been to since I've been back has been a DC United game, and I wore a DC United shirt. I'll say this: like location is key, you know. And going down to Foxborough from living in Somerville right now is not exactly what I want to do. 
I don't want to do that for the Patriots. So I don't want to do that for anybody, really, you know? Um, yeah, Somerville to, to Foxborough is not ideal. <laughs> you know, and there's just forever, there's always been those plans for the Reds to move back to the stadium in yeah. Boston, you know? It's always been the Bayside Expo Center has been put to the side for so long for them, and then the Olympics came, and then nobody won the Olympics here. They, <laughs> took, they took that away from them and gave it to the Olympic Planning Board, and I don't know what happened to it since. Um, but crowds are rising in Foxborough for the Revs. You know, they definitely get averaging much higher numbers than they had the previous, like, you know, 20 years. So yep. I think... Yeah, I think we're finally, right you know, finally, finally, finally there where... To your point, this league that's going to come up on its 30th anniversary pretty soon, which is hard to believe for those who are, for those of us who were there as kids. Yeah, I think I think the sport clearly has taken hold, and I think the American League version of it is again it, it's finally found its stride. So kind of cool yeah. that you got to jump in as a as a, a late arriver to DC, but to have a number one squad that you you know again didn't grow up watching or, or caring about necessarily. It's pretty cool. It's very different from the stories we've heard so far, so I appreciate you sharing it. Have we missed anything that you either were asked in the pre-show uh, or you wrote down things or things that you kind of wanted to impart relative to D.C. United or anything? The D.C. sports culture is just is very interesting. Um, you know, I can't speak to the L.A. sports clubs, um, and I don't know if they feel like that. I'm sure, you know, there's a lot of people that are from the greater Los Angeles area, but there's just so many transplants that you go to a D.C. United game and some people have Red Sox hats on, some people have giant, you know, San Francisco Giants hats on. So it's it definitely feels like a lot of people have kind of my story where it's you're moving to a city, you're into sports, and you want to have a team. So you go to this because you like live sports and who doesn't like live sports you know so it's <laughs> yeah exactly I and mean, it's cool to, yeah. cool to find that for sure when you you know move to a new place for sure and i think th- that sport has done that for a lot of people around the world which is to bring people together who maybe are alone in a place and <laughs> there's a commonality and like to your point around live sports and also around that particular sport um, as being a little bit of a, of a sport for everybody even if you don't, you know, grow up around it or grow up in that city or whatever it might be. So that's cool, man. Well, I, hey, I appreciate hearing your story. Uh, I appreciate, you know, again, the getting the MLS in here early during our season zero kind of beta test of this third episode. We're talking DC United. If you told me that a month ago, I wouldn't have believed it. I'm really, I'm, I'm, really, I'm really glad we've been able to do it. You know, we. Uh, oh yeah, I'm glad I could be part of this. Yeah, thanks for doing it, and uh, stick around for a second. We will catch up, but. Thanks for being on Season Ticket Showcase. Still getting used to saying the name of the show. For those of you listening who made it all the way through, you can find all three episodes eventually pretty soon. By the time you're listening to this, they will be up on the Filibuster Freestyle feed. And then after that, we will definitely be hoping to start our own feed for the Season Ticket Showcase. So, John, once again, thanks for being on, man. Thank you.